This is a GRDC podcast. Right in the middle of harvest last year, 2017, the Indian government imposed tariffs on imports of chickpeas and lentils. Must have come as a really big shock to everyone. I've come to see Peter Wilson here in Toowoomba. He's on the Pulse Australia board and he's also CEO of AGT Foods, a big exporter of Australian pulses. I want to find out where things are up to right now. Peter, first of all, it must have been a big shock when those tariffs were imposed. I think we were shocked at the the magnitude of the tariff. I don't think anyone was shocked that they added to a a range of things that they were doing over the previous two years to try and either, in the first place, reduce the cost of of staple foods to consumers and then protect farmers through uh, trying to push prices up. So conflicting strategies. So really, over the last couple of years, we've been uh, prepared to expect the unexpected from uh, a range of governments, but certainly the Indians. So when it came out in December, it certainly was a, a major shock to the system because, you know, we have supply chains and supply chains, like any chain, uh, are always moving. There's product at the start of the chain, there's product at the middle of the chain and there's stuff near the end of the chain. You don't just stop a chain and therefore it created enormous turbulence and uh, significant losses for those people at the various stages of the chain. So if you're a farmer, at the start of the chain, suddenly the confusion was there was no market because uh, people were reducing risk and therefore best not to buy anything because we don't want to add to the problems we've already got from a, a merchandiser's perspective. And then you had those people who had product at various stages in the distribution channel or in the chain who had to try and manage risk to divert cargo. And, of course, there's significant differences between importing countries in terms of phytosanitary requirements. So you don't just suddenly divert stuff because it may not comply with any, another importing country's requirements. And therefore, it, it took a while to, to settle out. But all of that meant lower prices, poor liquidity, high volatility and some real problems for our pulse trade. All for social reasons, I understand. Yeah, social, financial, political, uh, you know, the whole mix. You know, at the end of the day, it's very hard to put your finger on which bit of policy is driving many governments around the world and particularly in this case with the Indian government, there was a lot of conflict in there in terms of the policies that they'd outlined over the previous years. You know, we they demonetised to try and improve the or reduce the black economy. They added a GST to try and broaden the tax base, which is very narrow in India. Uh, they'd had a range of attacks on people who were hoarding stocks so they were trying to turf stock out to make the local situation more liquid to push prices down for consumers then almost in the same step they started putting things in place that were trying to or designed to artificially inflate local prices for farmers so the two strategies in conflict and of course as a result it really did an enormous amount of damage to the the interior distribution channels in india Okay, let's uh, let's move over to the shade a bit here. Now, I want to ask you now: Have things settled down in India? Is there any sign that they might be going to lift those tariffs at any time in the future? We don't think so, because of the you know the region, social, political, financial 
and the political stuff hasn't washed through. We've had a range of state elections over the past uh, 12 or 18 months. We have their federal election due in the first half of uh, 2019. So I guess the trade, if we call this eclectic group of people who watch these markets closely, the trade's of the view that really not much will change structurally or from a policy perspective until we actually get that federal election out of the way, which, as I say, is not due until first half next year. And what about the uh, volatility in terms of the market? Has that settled down a little bit and, and perhaps prices? Well, today the Indian policy issues are almost, because if we now fast forward from December through to March when they doubled the tariff through to where we are today here in a beautiful city of Toowoomba, you know, other things have overtaken the concerns of Indian import duty structures. You know, we've now got a probably one of the worst uh, droughts in northeastern Australia that we've seen, certainly in the time I've been involved in this business, certainly supersedes 1994 from my perspective. So we've got a very, very small northern broadacre cropping uh, outlook, and that includes obviously desi chickpeas and faba beans. So because we have shrunk so dramatically the area sown to desi chickpeas, We've now got a supply-driven issue that's probably taken over from the the demand-based problems we had as little as six or seven months ago. So, you know, the drought is having an enormous impact on global volatility and things like desi chickpeas, and that's really impacting us uh, probably more today than the tariffs. And in what way is it impacting? What are you seeing in the marketplace? Well, now we've got almost no liquidity. You've got, you know, farmers who are concerned about what they might reap. You know, they're sitting there... They know they sowed some products. Some of it hasn't even emerged. That's a problem. And we've got others that sowed deep into moisture, but not particularly into deep moisture, which means that there's some real caps on the yield potential. So therefore, farmers aren't selling. The trade's not really actively engaging because they can't buy, therefore they can't sell. But you've also got you know, sound demand base into places like Pakistan and Bangladesh who are sitting there trying to work out what their next move is because they typically buy between them, uh, between two and sort of 400,000 tonnes of desis, forgetting Iran and forgetting the UAE, and we might have a crop outcome here uh, significantly below that demand. So lots of turbulence right now. Is that driving uh, prices upwards at all? Yeah, absolutely. We've seen, uh, you know, Desi chickpea prices have probably rallied, you know, even since mid-July. We've probably seen Desi's rally, you know, over $100, $150 a tonne locally. That hasn't followed in places like uh, the end markets, like Pakistan. We've probably seen a rally of 50% of that. So we are way over where people are prepared to step in and buy from a importing country's perspective. But, you know, there's just not much product around. So it's, in, it's increased volatility dramatically without any increase in liquidity. So risk is, uh, we're talking risk exponential here at the moment. So where does that leave you when, when there's such a shortfall in terms of supply? Where does it leave a company like yours in uh, servicing your markets? Uh, in the first case, uh, it certainly leaves us with uh, major concerns over cost control. You know, we've got to make sure that we can keep our costs under our revenue streams. So, you know, the first order of all business is to, is to exist uh, to fight another day. So, you know, I think a lot of businesses such as ours are in that, uh, in that mode. We're very concerned about the lower uh, access to, uh, to product without necessarily the expanding 
margin that might be considered uh, that might automatically follow these sorts of issues. You know, people always say, oh, it's a drought. That means that prices are high and profits are high. Well, in fact, it's it's really the opposite. It means prices are high. It means risk is high. It doesn't mean the margins are, are any better because... If we elevate the prices, and it doesn't matter whether it's wheat, barley, canola or pulses, if we elevate them above export parity, the issue is then we allow our competing origins, the Canadians, the Americans, the the Black Sea, the Baltics, the the Europeans, they will come in and fill the void left by the absence of Australian red lentils or Australian yellow peas or the Australian faba bean uh, and, of course, the desi chickpeas. So... That's the difficulty. It leaves us all in a bit of a no-man's land because we know the Canadian ships filled with red lentils will continue to move into markets vacated by ourselves through price. And how are stocks overseas and seasons overseas? Anyone experiencing anything like we are in Australia at the moment? Uh, We've obviously seen lots of records of uh, hot weather through Europe. Of course, the Europeans are not used to uh, elevated temperatures, which of course for us are just normal. But if you're a European, then you're really sweltering when it gets above 30 degrees uh, Celsius. And so that's had an impact on crops and uh, that's certainly on faba beans, lesser extent peas. We've seen uh, lower yield outcomes in the Baltic region and in places like the United Kingdom, for example, which potentially allows for a more fundamental improvement in favour bean prices, which which we needed because there was a lot of competition coming from that part of the world. The Canadians start uh, this season with ample red lentil stocks on farm and they're about to harvest a reasonable uh, red lentil crop, uh, which is sort of underway right now. So, So we're not seeing any particular deficit in lentils beans are probably uh you know they've already priced themselves to ration a little bit anyway peas plenty of peas in canada and the united states kabuli chickpeas lots of kabuli chickpeas in north america so we've re we've rebuilt that kabuli balance sheet that got a little bit snug here over the last couple of years to now to the point it's sloppy so there is plenty of kabuli chickpeas available out of north america and the black sea region particularly russia so the only one that's really quite tight is desi chickpeas because Australia is the largest and best quality supplier of desi chickpeas in the world. We get some competition from Tanzania and Ethiopia and some of those sorts of countries and Burma or Myanmar. But at the end of the day, uh, we have gone from a 2.3 or 2.4 million tonne crop harvested in 2016 to about a 850,000 tonne crop harvested last year to maybe a crop that's only going to have... Uh, are two in front of it in terms of hundreds of thousands of tonnes. So we have uh, capitulated in terms of desi chickpea production and that's a real problem for us. So there you have it, an interesting year ahead for the pulse industry. You've just heard from the CEO of AGT Foods Australia and board member of Pulse Australia, Peter Wilson. My name is Chris Brown and you've been listening to a GRDC podcast.